0: Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I have never in my life done a series on intimidation. I've done, you know, some things on fear. But I am, I think part of my new boldness too is I am going myself. I am seeing things in scripture that I've never seen when it comes to men and women of God who were great when you see them on the surface, but had a character of years struggling with the fear of man. And the fear of man, I, I, I don't have time to tell you all the review, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a review from last week, um, and then uh, j- I'll go right into it. Can I hear an amen? So last week, we talked about uh, the spiritual definition of intimidation because, the, the, again, this is part four, and I feel like I could go, go on for another three weeks. So in the beginning, we talked about the, the definition of intimidation through the Webster's Dictionary. This is, you can look it up, is to deter someone from their purpose or destination through threats or the appearance of threats. In other words, you are going somewhere, God told you to do something, and yet you are deterred by threats. And those threats are the fear of what people think about you or will do to you. Right? Now, we know about fear, but the reason I said evil twins of the enemy, for those who haven't been here for a month, I love you, God bless you, good to see you at church, is because the Bible says Timothy in the NLT. Now, how do we know this scripture, and this is all review, real quick. I'm gonna do a five-minute review, then I'm gonna go into some really good, new things that I want to share with you, and I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today. Are you guys guys okay with that? All right, so get your Bibles out, amen, and uh, so, so what was I just saying? (laughs) I just said something, I was going somewhere, no, but before that, um, Okay, so the, so intimidation, right? So it, it's the physical definition is to deter you from, from what God told you to do, right? Now the spiritual definition of intimidation, this is just review. Intimidation paralyzes us in the spirit. It causes us to compromise what we know to be right. And intimidation causes us to allow or tolerate what we understand. Other circumstances would not stand for. And if you remember, I'm not going to do it again, but I asked like five different questions. And I think I started the first two weeks asking the questions to trigger if you are under either a spirit of intimidation or struggle with intimidation. That's what I was going to remember. How, how, how we know the famous scripture in Timothy is what? God has not given us a spirit of, but of what? Love, power, and but if you read that same scripture in the NLT, it actually doesn't say one thing. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. But of love, discipline, and sound mind, discipline, and power, right? And so I started looking at timidity, and that's the root word from intimidation. Fear has to do with danger of things that are maybe not living, like fear of the dark, fear of a building, fear of an environment. But intimidation has to do with fear of a living thing, which is a person, all right? Now, in the spirit, it causes us to tolerate. So I, I would start off, if you remember, last couple of weeks, I start off with this question. Now, don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass any of you. But the questions, and I don't remember all of them. There were five of them. Do you find it difficult to say no when you want to say yes? Sorry, did I say that right? Yeah. When you want to say yes, or you want to say, sorry, when you want to say no, when you want to say no, and end up saying yes. Do you feel guilty for saying no? Like every time someone asks you to do something and you say no, do you feel guilty? Right? Now, if you, if you find yourself feeling guilty for saying no, there's a chance that you have been operating under intimidation for a long time. If you, if, if you freeze or paralyze yourself to do something that you know to be right because of other people's opinions, then I will tell you that all those are markers of intimidation. And a couple of weeks ago I talked about when we don't deal, when you could, you could be extrovert and still suffer from intimidation. Because it's not about a personality, it's about you not dealing with something right away due to a perceived consequence in your head that hasn't even happened yet. I'm preaching good already this morning, but I'm going to continue. So, so last week I'm just going to, real quick because there's four weeks of review. We spoke about what happens when people. Now, this is powerful when people in authority. So, last week I talked about what happens when people in authority submit to intimidation. It affects the spiritual atmosphere that they are in leadership or authority over. That means if you're a parent and you're intimidated to correct your kids, the spiritual environment of your house will be affected because God placed you in authority. So if you are in authority, doesn't mean just a pastoral position. That means a parent. They can mean any sphere of authority. If you are intimidated, it will affect the, the sphere of where you're working, where you're uh, ministering, or where you're parenting in. So if people, and I just say this lovingly, if men uh, that are called to be the leader of their home are, are passive when it comes to intimidation, not passive when it comes to personality, but passive when it comes to intimidation, you will allow the fear of man to reign, and you allow dis, a culture of dishonor to reign in your house. Why? Because then your kids will be in charge and not you. Let me keep going. And we talked about two people. This is all review. Uh, we talked about Eli. Now remember, those of you who weren't here just to catch you up, Eli was the... the let me just read it so I won't make sure I don't. Ma- I always get this messed up. Okay, he was the fifteenth judge of Israel, the seventh high priest of Israel, and he was in ministry for forty years. In other words, he was in key positions of leadership for forty years. He was dictated to to change the spiritual atmosphere of Israel. But watch this: because he suffered from intimidation from his wicked sons Hophni and Phineas, who took. The, the, the meat of the sacrifice boiled it and ate it that belonged to the Lord. And he also, th- those, those sons also slept with the women coming into the temple. The Bible says that they were intercepting them coming to the temple. Those women were going to church and they were convincing them through manipulation and intimidation to have sex with them. And Eli, all he did was give them a weak rebuke but never removed them from leadership. And God judged them because of that. And you can read it yourself. There was a man of God, and in, in I believe in First Samuel chapter 2, a, the, he, it was a nameless man of God that was sent to Eli and said, why did you honor your sons above me? In other words, when we give into the fear of man, we honor man more than we do God all right we talked about Moses and I read a scripture last week that I could not believe people was like I never saw that the Bible says that Moses was introduced to the Abrahamic covenant he met with God and that he was supposed to circumcise his sons and then when he was leaving Egypt and, if, and I believe it's Exodus 4 the Bible says God was there to kill him now it got, is God double-minded why was God, God said he met him on the road to kill Moses and immediately his wife Zipporah said listen God is about to kill Moses. Let me just go ahead and circumcise my my son. Because Moses said, I don't want to deal with this woman. She doesn't want me to circumcise the son. She sees all the boys screaming. And, you know, when Joshua and them crossed over and they were circumcised, they waited three days. They weren't waiting on the Lord. They were in pain, right? And so she's like, the Bible says that she cut the foreskin, took a flint knife, cut the foreskin of, of, of of, of her son, right? threw it at Moses, threw it like you're a son of blood to me. In other words, she had to do what God told him to do. And the Bible says, you can read it, serve yourself. And then the Lord left Moses alone. In other words, Moses was intimidated by his wife. I'm going to pause there for a little bit. Moses was intimidated by his wife And God was judging him because, guess what? God didn't come to kill Zipporah. God came to kill Moses. Why? Because God put him in authority over his family. Good preaching, Pastor George. Amen. The negative spiritual atmosphere in a place sometimes is dictated by what the leader or person in authority allows in that place. This is all review, but because this is part four, I need to give you something. The negative spiritual atmosphere in a place is sometimes dictated, let that hit home, by what the leader or person in authority allows in that place. Listen, what we tolerate through intimidation will one day dominate a spiritual atmosphere. What we allow through intimidation will one day dominate, all right? Now, now with that said, I want to begin today, all right? I want to give you with a statement, then I want to turn to Proverbs. Turn to Proverbs chapter 29 Verse 25. Now, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. I'm going to run by them. Now, a couple, you, a couple years, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I said the scripture in passing in the NLT. But what, I want to start part four, and I'm going to share something that I've never saw in the scripture how the fear of the Lord is needed to eradicate the fear of man. Now, I've never, I, you know, I've never really saw it from that angle, but I'm going to show you through Scripture that an active presence of the fear of the Lord, there's two types of fear. There's the fear of man, and there's the fear of the Lord. But I'm here to tell you the fear of the Lord is not just reverence. The fear of the Lord is actually needed to eliminate the fear of man, which is intimidation. Can I hear an amen? Do you know that callings have been affected all because of intimidation? Obedience has been affected by, because of intimidation. God, every time we have the fear of man, we delay and postpone and delay and postpone. But the fear of the Lord executes swift obedience. Now, before I get there, look at Proverbs 29, verse 25 is up there. When you're there, say Amen. We're going to have a good old-fashioned Bible study today, and I'm going to preach at the same time, okay? The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Say that with me. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. I could go into so many angles with that scripture, but it's very clear. The Bible is clear. The snare is a trap. Say a trap. What is a trap? The trap is you giving up your God-given authority that God has given you, and confidence through yielding to intimidation. I'm going to say that again. What is the trap? The trap is you giving up your God-given authority and confidence by yielding to intimidation. Now, I want you to put the first slide up because what is the fear of man, right? This is a fancy word that a lot of people, fear of man, fear of man. Now, every time in the Bible you see the word fear of man, it is the exact same meaning as intimidation. Look at that first slide. The biblical term, the fear of man, is intimidation. There, so just because your Bible doesn't say the word intimidation, the fear of man or the fruit or the definition of fear of man is intimidation. Now, now so that means we could read the scriptures this way. Proverbs 29 verse 25, intimidation brings the snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Amen? Now, now when I first started this, um, this series in week one, I shared about a story because there's about... 70% of you that weren't there in the first week. I'm going to say it real quick again because then I'm going to send a new quote by John Bevere. In my studies, I'm using the book uh, Breaking Intimidation to help supplement my studies because I read something from John Bevere years ago on Breaking Intimidation. But I only read a couple of chapters. And when I started this, the Lord led me to read this again. And it's been life-changing. I don't know if you know who John Bevere is, but I highly recommend his ministry. He has ch- The Lord has used him to change radically change my life in the earlier years and even now. And and in the book, he talks about an incident that he was preaching. Again, this is just so I could t- get you to my next point. And while he was preaching, he had a prophetic word saying, "There's sin in the camp, there's sin on the stage. You need to repent, or God is going to expose you." Right. Long story short, he said that a couple times out of inspiration. He wasn't in his in his notes, and uh, he would have everyday meetings, and then privately the next days, the elders of the church got really mad, and like, uh, and they spoke and released words and said, "Look, we 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 don't feel that you should do that." out loud you could tell us privately you should have to do that then immediately he didn't know this but he confesses in his book that a spirit of intimidation immediately was attached to those words and he kept battling with himself John why did you do that why did you have to say that out loud suppose there's no sin in the camp why did you have to do that now everyone's looking at suppose that there's nothing like that why are you doing that and he said for the next two days he preached and there was no unction to preach He said he he prayed for hours, and one day he was in the middle of this revival. He was about to quit, and he said, stop. And he said, hey, listen, let's pray. And he said, the Lord said, you were intimidated. You allow those words of those elders to release a spirit of intimidation on you, therefore rendering your gift to preach inoperative. He said, take authority over that spirit and preach what I tell you to preach. He took authority in that service. He had an altar call. 80% of the people came, all right? I say this because uh, in the later chapters, he has something so powerful that he quoted that I want to share with you on the screen. There's a quote by, uh, put that slide up, the quote by uh, John Bevere uh, in the book Breaking Intimidation. Now, I want you to read this. You could take a picture of it. Look what he says uh, about his definition of intimidation. Put it up there. Put that next quote up there. The fear of man is to stand in alarm, anxiety, awe. Dread, suspicion, and cowering before mortal men. When entrapped by this fear, intimidation, we will live on the run. Hiding from harm, reproach, and constantly avoiding rejection, watch this, and confrontation. We will become so busy safeguarding ourselves or pleasing people that we will be ineffective in our service for God. Afraid... Of what people will do to us, I'll insert or say about us, we will consequently not give God what he deserves. Hello? Now, I wanna say this. The, to desire the approval of man or the praise of man is the same result of the fear of man. So you may candy coat it by saying, well, I don't have the fear of man, I just seek people's approval. It's the same result. I want to get that through you because sometimes we'll we'll kind of lessen the blow and justify well you know I don't really have fear of man I just I just seek their approval the approval of man and the fear of man by fruit of what it causes you to do is the same thing so we could say, well, you know, I, have the, I, I, I struggle with the approval of man. Might as well say that is the fear of man and that's intimidation. Listen, let's call it what it is so we could get it out of our lives and stop pretending that we don't struggle in these areas. The longer we do, we hold it, the longer we'll struggle with it. So if we're seeking the praise of people at the expense of, of the praise and approval of God, we become a victim of intimidation. And sometimes, can I just be honest, it's a bondage in our life. Preach, PG. Do you, know, do you know that you could, do you know that you, I'm going to prove it in Scripture. I'm going to give you lots of Scripture. Do you know that you could actually believe Jesus is Lord in your heart and be so afraid of what people will say that you will never act what you believe out? I'm going to prove it to you. In the book of John, the Gospel of John, all right, John the Beloved is writing the Gospel, and I believe in John chapter Um, 12 verse 42 verse 43 look in the nlt what john says he has a revelation about people even pharisees that secretly admitted that jesus is lord but would not say anything because they wanted to please people more than god Look, look look what john says many people did believe in jesus however listen including some of the jewish leaders now who are the jewish leaders Pharisees, Sadducees, and all these other leaders, right? But they wouldn't admit it. Come on, say it loud like your mama's about to slap you. For fear that the Pharisees will expend them from the synagogue. Are you ready for this? Look at this next verse. For they loved human praise more than praise of God. Hello? For they loved the the praise of people more than the praise of God. So that means you could believe that Jesus is Lord. You could, you could uh, uh, believe that he is God and, and that you need to surrender to him and you need to live right, but not act out on it because of the, of the severe fear of people and approval of people that you feel that you need in your life. For they loved the praises of people more than the praises of God. When you and I unwillingly have the fear of man, we automatically become disobedient to the Lord. It actually, produces a lifestyle. It can produce a lifestyle of disobedience when we love the praises of people more than the praises of God. Now, now look. At, now look at what it says, right? It's the praises of people so that doesn't seem really bad. Now that doesn't mean I know some religious people in here. So that doesn't mean if someone gives you a compliment, you like no, 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 like. That's not, that's not seeking the praise of people. If someone says, man, your music changed my life, say, thank you. Man, your, your message hit me. Thank you. Now, I know I'm not the one who changed you, but listen, a lot of people are like, man, I got this download from heaven. No, I got to go digging for that. I didn't get no download from heaven. I got to go searching for this revelation, all right? I worked hard for that revelation, right? But here's the thing. If someone says thank you for your message, or your, that's good, but what you, when you do not obey the call or the word or the voice of the Lord due to you fearing in your head, playing out scenarios in your head about how that person is going to respond, then you've just been disobedient to what God tells you to do because you're praising people more than God. Now, everybody say there's two types of fears. This is what I'm going to hit up this morning. morning. is a fear of the Lord, there's a fear of man. So what is the fear of the Lord? I'm going to read something that I wrote, okay? The fear of the Lord is when we highly esteem the Lord, listen to this, when we reverence him, this is the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man, but I want to tell you for the first time today that the fear of the Lord is needed in your life to eradicate intimidation. Now who's ever heard of that? Who's ever heard that the fear of the Lord, wait a minute, Pastor George, I heard that. We need the love of God. Yes, we need the love of God. We need boldness. Yes, we need boldness. We need confidence. Yes, we need confidence. But we are not complete from eradicating intimidation of our life if the fear of the Lord is not ruling in our life. Watch, watch the definition of the fear of the Lord. When we highly value what he values, when we love what he loves, when we hate what he hates, we just don't dislike what he hates, we hate what he hates. We just don't like what he loves, we love what he loves. That's the fear of the Lord. Now, I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes. The fear of the Lord means, obe- means to obey instantly. I want that to sink in. To fear... How do I know I have the fear of the Lord? I'm going to show you later, and your mouth is going to drop. When I saw this, the fear of the Lord means you obey instantly, even when it doesn't make sense. I'll go a step further. Even when it hurts you to be obedient, because it involves a family member. It involves a friend. It involves a church brother or sister. To fear the Lord means you obey immediately and not try to rationalize your obedience by coming up with a whole bunch of scenarios before you're obedient. The fear of the Lord is quick obedience. Say quick. I could go into another tangent there, but I'm not. Sometimes if we're only stuck as a body of Christ in the love of the Father, we can take advantage of his grace and his love and delay in our obedience all in the name of the love. But when we have the fear of the Lord rule us, it will be quick it will be, I, I want to please him so bad. Not because, now, I want to say this. The fear of the Lord is not to be afraid in, when I, in the physical sense of afraid because you can't have a relationship with someone that you're terrified, afraid of. Wait, wait, wait. Don't stone me for that. I'm talking about the afraid, the carnal afraid. Like, oh, my God, he's going to pop off any second and hit me. Oh, my God, oh, my God, I better not stop. No, no, no. The fear of the Lord is to reverence him and to honor what he honors. And it's a delight in you. Now watch this. Now this is where I'm going to get at. Buckle your seatbelts, okay? In Proverbs chapter 14, it says a small little scripture, and I'm going to build on this, okay? I'm going to teach you something today that I don't think I've ever preached on. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 in the New King James. Look it up there. Are you ready for this? The fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord. Say the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Everybody say strong confidence. Have you ever noticed what is lacking when you have the fear of man? Not confidence. I mean confidence. What is lacking when you have the fear of man is strong confidence. You, do, you and I do not have strong confidence when we're running around intimidated about what other people are going to say and other people do to us. So watch, watch, watch. The fear of the Lord there's strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Now watch this. Look at this slide. I want you to put this up there. Look at the next slide. Strong confidence. Oh, I love this. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to shout and run around the church by myself. St- strong confidence will create bold declarations about who the Lord is and who you are in the Lord. Come on. The Lord gave me that statement. Strong confidence will create bold declarations in you of who the Lord is and who you are in the Lord. Now 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 watch this. I want you to see I want you to see the famous Psalm 27 where everybody quotes. Don't put it up yet. Don't put up Psalm 27 yet. All right. Don't put up Psalm 27 yet. So the famous quote that David that we all use in the prayer room. What is it? Come on guys. Psalm 27 Enrique, what is it? Psalm 27. What what is, what is the, the major thing that we say about David in Psalm 27? One thing I was a desire of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God! But it, it, it didn't start that way. It, it evolved that way. That is verse four. Do you know what verse one and three says? Are you ready for strong? Co- Look, watch this. Watch where David. Oh God! Watch where David gets his strong confidence. In three times, he doesn't, his confidence is not about overcoming drugs. His confidence is not about overcoming women, although he had a problem. My boy had a problem with that. <laughs> his strong confidence didn't come in overcoming lying, although my boy had a problem lying. In three different occasions, his confidence was directly aimed at the fear of man. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Psalm 27 verse 1, please. Look at this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Here's number one. Whom shall I fear? What? Wait, wait, wait. Whom shall I fear? That's talking whom. That means intimidation. Watch this. Here's a bold declaration. Why? The fear of the Lord brings strong confidence. So if strong confidence brings that, the fear of the Lord brings strong confidence, bold declaration about who God is and who, who you are in Christ is a result of Confidence. Now watch this. Here's the bold declaration. The Lord is the strength. No, no, no. Verse 1, my brother. Thank you. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Who shall I fear? He is. The Lord is the strength of my life. Underline this. This is part two. Who shall I be afraid? Wait, wait. He's not talking about drugs. He's not talking about overcoming women. He, uh, <laughs> overcoming women. Overcoming lust. Overcoming. <laughs> some, some people need to overcome women. Come on. Amen. No, just a oh. Of whom shall I be afraid? Look at this, is all verse one. We haven't even got to the famous verse, verse four yet. What made verse four possible? His confidence in verse one, two, and three. The Lord is the strength of my life. Who shall I be afraid? Look at it, look at verse two. Look at verse two. When the wicked come against me to yield my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumble and fell. Look at verse three, guys. Highlight like this in your, in your Bible. Though an army may encamp against me, here's that magic phrase, my heart. Shall not fear. Wait. Three different times, boldly, David says, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid of people. And when an army comes against me, I will not be afraid. Not one time is he saying, when lust comes against me, I'm overcome. When lying comes against me, no. He battled intimidation, but the fear of the Lord gave him confidence. And, and, and watch this. Confidence creates bold declarations. That's why I could tell if you're really confident in the Lord or not. Just by listening to you speak. Well, brother, I'm confident in the Lord, but I'm just afraid to go here, and I'm afraid to go here, and I'm afraid to go there. No, then you're not confident in the Lord. Because confidence in the Lord doesn't mean, does mean a personality. Doesn't mean you're hiding behind some fake boldness. It means you actually believe what you're saying. The war may rise against me, and this I will be confident. And then, of course, in verse 4 says, uh, the, 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 the famous ones, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever all the days of my life. Right? So... So watch this. Notice that David's strong confidence and bold declarations was specifically against what? Talk back at me. Fear and intimidation. His confidence and his boldness was against the fear. He goes, though an army come against me, I shall not be afraid. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Who shall I fear? He was confident because he allowed the fear of the Lord to rule his life. Uh, now, now, here's where I, I, um, I want to really harp on this morning in the story of Abraham. How many remember Abraham? How many, uh, what is Abraham considered nowadays, or even in those days, the father of? Okay. So he's, he was considered, so we know him as the father of faith. Now, the father of faith would really then have victory all the time against intimidation and, and fear, you would think. Now I want you to put that next slide up. Look at this next slide up. When the fear of the Lord is absent, the fear of man will reign. When the fear of the Lord is absent, the fear of man will reign. Now I want you to see mighty Abraham. He had many sons and many sons had father Abraham. I don't know I don't know the rest. You probably know it, but okay. So mighty Abraham, say mighty Abraham. I want you to see twice. About, now, please. Now, this is going to hit home. I'm going to get a lot of oohs and ahs, and probably emails about this. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to process what I'm trying to say. Abraham had an habitual weakness of the fear of man. Before, I'm going to say something powerful. He had to pass his greatest test, which so happens to be his greatest fear. Sometimes to overcome your fears, God is going to give you a test to overcome your greatest fear. And once you overcome your greatest fear, all those other fears will just be knocked away. I'm going to show you in scripture how Abraham justified his sin and lying by the way he felt. Can I pause and say the body of Christ today justifies their fear and intimidation by their feelings? Well, you know, you have to understand that this is the problem that right now, because if I get close to somebody, I may get this, and we just, whatever, I'm just, Filling in the blanks, but what what, what is what it happens is we justify. I want to show you how Abraham, mighty Abraham, justified lying. Do you know that lying is a sin? We don't believe that in the church today, right? We believe we believe we believe uh, falling into sexual immorality; those are the big sins, right? And uh, but you know when the, when you look at Proverbs six and all the six things the Lord hates and the seven, not one time do you see adultery, even though that's great, uh, that's a big sin, right? Three or four times you see lying, discord, gossip. When we start looking at gossip, discord, lying as equal, sins as fornication, then I think we'll have a greater fear of the Lord. Now, Genesis 12, watch this, watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to scripture that Abraham told his wife, hey, nothing has happened yet. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, pre, I'm giving you a precursor to what intimidation does in your head. Nothing has happened yet, but I'm so ruled by the fear of man that I want you to convince yourself and agree that you're my sister and not my wife. Not just one time, not just one time, multiple times with different kings, he continually, habitually had a problem with the, how people would see him and he would justify his feelings by lying and convincing his wife to lie with him. And I'm saying lying in bed. I'm saying lying. Could you imagine going around saying this is not my wife, this is my sister because of what I fear is going to happen to me? That is bondage. And many of you, and you're watching online, you're justifying your fears by your feelings. This is not on my notes, but I'm just going to say this. I was struggling to say this, but it's statistically proven now that even, not, not even one-third of people that are supposedly watching from home are watching anymore. They're not engaging anymore. So don't tell me, hey, you were just going to watch at home. A third, according to statistics, a third of the people that have not come are no longer engaging in anything. Okay. Genesis chapter 12, verse 11. Uh, my email is george.sotolongo at uh, gmail.com. Now, now watch this. Here it goes. Look, at look, NLT, NLT. As he was approaching the borders, who's he? Say Abraham. Come on, say Abraham. Say Abraham. Okay. As he was ab- approaching Egypt, Abram said, this is when he was Abram, said to his wife, look at this, guys. Let's go on a journey. Look, you are very beautiful. This is good. We laugh, right? But this was very real to Abraham. You know, I, I'm not making light of your intimidation, but I, what I'm saying is it is a farce. It is a disguise to make you believe that there's an alternate reality. And it hasn't even happened yet. Listen, wife, you're very beautiful. Let's keep reading. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him. Stop. What does let's kill him mean? Let's kill him. No, no. What does it mean in our teaching? He's afraid of people. Listen, if you didn't, do you think, do you think, Andrew, do you remember Andrew? Little, little sidetrack. Remember Andrew? I, I, have, has anybody read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? Have ever read that? You know that the, Bible, the, the Book of Martyrs where he records these martyrs? When he was running all his life from all this stuff, when he finally got filled with the Spirit, Andrew was taken to the cross, and he was getting crucified. And I can't say exactly what he said, but he said, Oh, beloved cross, I've longed to embrace you. I love you. I can't wait for you. And I'm just paraphrasing it. The very thing he feared, when he conquered that fear, he's like, nothing that man could do to me will stop me from being obedient. Let me tell you, dead people have died; martyrs die before they die. In other words, you conquer the fear of death by already being dead. So he's like, I'm gonna nothing. If listen, if you if you can overcome the fear of people, nothing will stop you. Hey, hey, I'll kill you. If you speak in Jesus' name, I'll kill you. It don't matter. My life is not my own. Until we, the church, realize that when you gave your life to the Lord, I have an announcement. Ready? Public service announcement. Your life is no longer your own. When you signed up for this thing, you didn't sign a six-month lease, a, f- a five-year lease, a 10-year lease, a 15-year lease. When you gave your life to the Lord, you said, my life in trading for yours, my life is not your own. I will do what you want me to do. Go where you want me to go. Say where you want me to say. So continue, continue. This is, uh, this is my wife. Let's kill him. That, uh, we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. This is Abraham. Father Abraham, then they will spare my life. Guys, do you see that his whole goal was eradicating, trying to deal with intimidation. They will spare my life and treat me well because of you. Now, look at me, zoom in on me. None of this has even happened yet. It's all in his head. Anxiety, fear, and intimidation will, will make you come up with scenarios as if they were real before they even happen. Okay. So please tell them you are my sister, then they will spare my life and treat me with, because, whatever. And sure enough, when Abraham arrived in Egypt, keep reading, everyone noticed Sarah, Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang praises to Pharaoh. Their king and Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts. You know what that, that means in modern day, that they were like, look at that woman. She is hot. She's a hot babe. Pharaoh, she's a babe. You want her. Right? She's available. Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts because of her. (laughs) In other words, man, I don't know what you did to be her sister, but here here you go. Right? Or brother, sorry. Sheep, cattle, male, watch this, follow me, donkeys, male, female servants, and camels. But the Lord, (laughs) see, God is so gracious. Abraham, I want to just pause. Abraham never dealt with this. The Lord supernaturally intervened. You hear this? It wasn't like Abraham saying, Lord, I'm going to take authority over this intimidation. And I'm going to go to that king and say, she's my wife. He was hiding in fear the whole time. And God in his mercy say, look, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to visit this dude in a dream. <laughs> so he goes to sleep. Look at this. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his house because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. Look at verse 18. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded. And remember, nothing has happened yet. He's like, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Listen to this. Listen to this. Now, Now, that's in chapter 12, right? You would think after this encounter with Pharaoh, he changed his life, right? But you can't change your life on natural humanistic measures. You have to attack intimidation in the spirit realm. If you take medication, I, 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 I'm good for medication. I take medication for my pain. I'm not going medic- it. But if you only deal with it in the natural realm, you're always going to stay with a degree of it. You have to attack it in the root, which is your heart and sometimes the spirit. Now, now that's in chapter 12. Eight chapters later, he's going on another journey. Another journey. Different journey. Watch what happens. Genesis chapter 20. Look at this. Verse 1 through 7. Here's Abraham. Well, Abram at that time. He is not called Abraham yet, right? Mighty Abraham. Well, here it is. Abraham moved south. Is this, yeah, NLT. Is this NLT? Okay. Abraham moved south to the, to the, okay, I almost said another word Negev. (laughs) Yeah. I once said the wrong word when it said Niger. Something from Niger anyways. And lived at it for a while between Kadesh and Shur. And then Abraham moved on to Gerar. Watch this. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. Again. Intimidation is ruling this man. Now now let me pause and say this. This is God's grace. God can still use you. Hello? Hello? God can still use you while you're operating in an intimidating spirit, but he is never going to be, you're never going to be free to the fullness of what he wants because by his grace, he's allowing you to learn a lesson. Can I just say this? And I know that you could talk back at me. In this church, you could say amen. You could you know, wave the hanky. You could shout, right? But if you're honest with yourself, you are a miserable person when you're secretly battling intimidation. If you're honest with yourself, you're like, I don't like this about myself. Why do I always freeze up? Why can't I talk to this person? Why can't I just talk to this person? Why can't I have a resolve? Why, why? And then we delay, and the problem is never resolved between you and the person because you fear the person. Got quiet up in here. Now, watch, Sarah, she is my sister. So King Abimelech, another king, watch this. <laughs> of Gerar sent for Sarah and brought her into his place, palace. Now, she now, this king was like, Man, you, you hot. You're single. Come over to my palace, Netflix and chill, right? <laughs> we're going <we're> to Netflix. <laughs> Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we're going Netflix and chill, uh, Sarai. Watch this. Now, watch, watch. <laughs> look, 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 look. I'm not, I'm not joking. But that night, look at God's mercy. Again, God's like, I got to save him again. Now, 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 not one time at this point did Abraham rebuke or deal with it. I'm going to tell you when he dealt with it, though. And you're going to shout. I'm going to tell you when he dealt with it. And when he dealt with it, he never dealt with intimidation again. Now, watch. That night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, you are a dead man. For that woman you've taken is already married. Now, I love this. Let's keep reading. L- look at this. Now, Abimelech, was, he was sincere in his heart. He's like, Lord, what are you talking about? It was him that told me that was his sister. Look, but had not slept with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Look at this. Look at this. Didn't Abraham tell me she's my sister? Is he right? Is he right? And she herself said, yes, he is my brother. Now she's lying to cover up his intimidation. I find that when something, someone does not deal with intimidation, it affects the family. It, it affects the people you're close to, then they will buy into your intimidation. And now everybody's intimidated and everybody's justifying their feelings. Because not only did Abraham say, you're my sister, she said, he's my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean, Lord. In other words, I haven't touched her yet. Right? Look at verse six. Look at verse six. In the dream, God responded. Watch this. Yes, I know you're innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I didn't let you touch her. Come on, that that should bring you some confidence that God intervenes sometimes and says, Don't touch that girl. Don't touch that boy. He's mine. Come on, don't touch that daughter. that, That mama's been praying for years. Don't touch that. Don't touch. Don't touch that girl. She may be wild in the streets right now, but that she has a call of God in her life. Don't you touch her. If God could do that in the Old Testament, don't you think he could do that in the New Testament? Bring the fear of God to someone that you've been praying for, and they're backslidden, and God says, you better not touch that boy. I know he's in there doing drugs with you, but he's mine. Now return the woman to her husband, and he, this is crazy, and he will pray for you, in other words. He's going to pray for you because you almost slept with his wife because he has intimidation. For he is a prophet. This is God saying, then you will live. But if you don't return Sarai to him, you can be sure that you and your people will die. Now, now do you see the fear of the Lord and the fear of man working? Now watch. Now I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you something that you're going to run around the church in your head. because no one's going to do it i'm going to prove to you that abraham's perception that there lacked a fear of the lord produced being afraid please hear this please hear what i'm about if you don't get anything i'm going to say get this moment right now i'm going to prove to you in the new king james just a couple of verses after this incident remember when i said when there's an absence of the fear of the lord the fear of man will reign are you ready for this now look at, this, look at this next verse. In the next verse, just a couple verses down. It, just a couple verses down, right? Uh, in, in verse 9 through 11. 9 through 11. Watch this. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? Have I offended you that you have brought on me and my kingdom this great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. In other words, because of your intimidation, I'm going to be judged. Because I thought I was sleeping with your sister. It's pretty much, that was what he's saying, right? Then Abimelech said to Abraham, "What did, have you done? What you what? Sorry, what did you have in view that you have done this thing? Now, watch this. Are you ready to shout?" Abraham said, "Because I surely thought that the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on my account." What? Wait a minute. He said, "The fear of God is not in this place." That means intimidation will reign. I thought the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me. What is they will kill me? Intimidation. Guess what? When you don't have the fear of the Lord ruling your motives and your actions, you will have the fear of man and intimidation ruling it. Now, what Abraham did, oh boy, this is where I'm going to get some emails. But what Abraham did by justifying His intimidation by what, by how he felt, and lying and justified his lying by how he felt. And I'll do modern day Googling all the statistics to support his theory, Uh, justifying why he lied, right? What Abraham did by justifying what he did to cover up intimidation is what a lot of people in the body of Christ are doing right now. We, without us knowing it, We are justifying what we feel, because, sorry, intimidation because of what we feel. There's a spiritual frustration growing in my heart that I'm sensing, and I'm I'm not going to say all of it because I don't want to offend people. I'm not afraid of what you're thinking. I just don't want to offend you in the sense of you interpreting what I say wrongly, okay, because I want to shepherd you. But if you're going to say something, please hear me. This is not in my notes, but please hear me. If you're going to say something, be consistent with everything that you say, not just portions of what you say. If you say you're avoiding a place like church because you have real concerns, praise God, I'm with you. But just don't go on vacations and all these other things that you're next to all these other people at the same time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. If you said out of your mouth, I don't feel comfortable going to a church where I'm sitting next to brothers and sisters that I know, then then that's fine. Just be consistent with everything, not just portions of it. Don't say, well, I I don't want to come here because of my fear of other people, but I am going to go to the beach. I'm going to go to, and I'm not talking about it, please. I'm I'm not thinking about anybody. I'm not trying to send a subliminal message. I'm just telling you what I see, and it's frustrating. If you're gonna, if you're going to be afraid, sorry, concerned, then be concerned in all areas. Then that means choose not to go to a restaurant because you're gonna be truthful to what you say in all areas. Then, then go, don't go on a plane for now, for now. For now. Because you're because you're because you're agreeing with what you're saying. Don't go to these parties where all these people are there that you don't know of. And you, yes, you have a mask. Praise God. But what, all I'm saying is don't do that. Don't do that if you're only saying I'm feel com- don't feel comfortable going, sitting next to someone in church. Now, you may justify whatever reason that you have that are more than what I'm saying. That's between you and God. That's, that's fine. But what I am saying is don't justify how you feel. Do you know that we cannot pick and choose portions of the Bible that we like? We can't say, you know, I really like the one he turned water into wine. I like that part. I could drink it up. But then deny where it says you must honor your father and mother or deny the part where it says pursue peace with all people for without which no one will see the Lord, right? So, hey man, sister, I mean <laughs> So watch. Watch. Do you got do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? All I am saying is please zoom in. This is why I said what I said is because Abraham if he was living today it would sound a lot like what before his encounter, right? It would sound like a lot of the language today is I'm going to be selective in how I use my smarts and my wisdom to justify how I feel about this particular place, but yet I'm not going to use that same wisdom in any other place I go to. That can I just say this? Oh boy. I, I'm not saying you're doing this on purpose, but by definition, that's hypocrisy. It is. I, all I'm saying is, listen. All I'm saying is, just be just be that way for everything, okay? Just be that way for everything. Listen, we're not that ba- we're not worse than the beach. We're not worse than we're not worse than vacations. I'm not saying this to to to. School. I'm going on vacation next week. Praise God! I'm not I'm not I'm not harping on vacations. I'm not harping on beaches. I'm harping on a principle. Where you say, I don't feel comfortable going here, then don't let me see you going anywhere else. There's a lot of people in public. Amen. Now, put this on the screen because I don't, you know, anyways, put this up on the screen. Intimidation will cause you, listen, this this is powerful. Please listen. Take a picture of this. Intimidation will cause you, listen to play out scenarios in your head that haven't even happened yet as though they were inevitable to happen if you are truthful to yourself you say that that's a true statement now i didn't read this in a book the lord gave me that statement okay intimidate. let me just let me you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with you you know why i'm preaching so boldly because i struggled with this so if anything if you want to blame anything blame my own bondage of intimidation yeah so so that nobody can say he's insensitive and he doesn't realize that I'm not saying it because of that. PG, you're misquoting what I'm I'm not trying to mis, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just saying I was one of those people. You say Pastor George, you're one of those people. You're you're bold when you preach. Just because I have boldness when I preach doesn't mean that I battle with intimidation. I don't battle with intimidation. All right? But when you get free from it, you really really soar. You really start flying. You really I'm finally in a place in my life that I don't care who's with me or who leaves me. And I say that in a loving way. I finally got to a place where i was like, you know what? I'm going to be obedient where there's just 30 or 3,000. And I've, I've made up my mind that nobody in my life or in my ministry is indispensable. And in other words, I'm not going to hold on to them while I get battered by intimidation because I need someone so much. I no longer care if they're with me or they're not. Praise God. We love you. We're friends. We're family. Whatever it is. If you want to leave, I love you and I pray for you and I bless you. But I no longer hear me. I'm going to be bound because I need you. Now, intimidation will cause you to play out scenarios in your head that haven't happened yet as though they were inevitable to happen. You know what that that phrase is? Abraham. Abraham played out scenarios in his head before it ever happened, and he convinced himself, if I call her my sister, then they won't kill me. And none of that even happened. Now, did they say that she was attracted? Yeah, but none of these kings had even slept with her yet. But it was so real. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. Intimidation and fear is so real that it will convince every cell in your body that whatever you're thinking of is going to happen. Uh, Now, I don't promote this. I don't promote. uh, This just came to me right now. This is weird. This is not in my notes. And I don't promote this movie. This is an old classic movie, Ghostbusters, right? Remember Ghostbusters? It's like, like, don't think of anything. Don't think of it at the end. And this big old marshmallow man starts coming because he thought of it, right? Like he, he started thinking of his worst fear, and his worst fear came to pass. Here's the problem. When we continually harp on fear, fear will eventually become concrete reality, Everywhere you go, you think of the Marshmallow Man. The Marshmallow Man is everywhere you go now. If those people who are ultra charismatic and they think the, the demons are everywhere. There's a demon behind the toaster. There's a demon behind that chair. There's a demon behind the demon. 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 There's a demon. Oh, there's a demon. I saw a shadow. It was just a shadow. No, there's a demon. There's a shadow. <laughs> now watch this. I'm closing this right once Abraham finally dealt with his character flaw of intimidation, how he dealt with it. Now, I, this is something that I just got yesterday. I was reviewing my notes, and I sent an extra scripture to Zach. I couldn't believe that this was right under my nose that I didn't even see it. Do you know that sometimes your greatest fear that you've been battling, the Lord will test you with the greatest fear so that you could overcome it, so that all these little, little seeds of intimidation in your life that has led up to that, once you conquered that big fear, you will be able to say, if I conquered this, I could deal with that. Now watch this. What do you think was Abraham's greatest fear? Come on. Those of you who know Abraham, what do you think? Okay, if you are a parent, lift up your hands if you're a parent. Lift up your hands if you're a parent. All right, I want you to imagine something. If you waited almost 100 years for one kid to be born, and you waited, and you waited, what do you think your biggest fear would be secretly in your heart? Lord, you could take me, you could take my camels, you could take my house, my tent. Hey, that's good. But you know what? I have agonized a long time for this son. My greatest fear is that something will happen to him. And his greatest fear got tested because he was struggling with fear and intimidation all his life. That one day God says, enough. I'm no longer going to visit people in dreams on your behalf. You're going to deal with it. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm no longer going to cause that other person to have dreams for your inability to deal with the root problem of your life. I'm no longer going to give other people prophetic words about what you need to change about your life. Now I'm going to cause you to change it. Okay, what is it? When, When his son was 13, 14, whatever years old, the Lord did something unimaginable. He caused his greatest fear of Abraham to be a reality. He says, I want you to sacrifice that son that you waited a 100 years for. And I want you to kill him. No explanation. No hidden revelation. No, it's a secret between me and you. Don't tell anybody. It was, I want you to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be my greatest fear. Now, I want you to see. I'm closing in in a few. How the fear of the Lord... (sighs) What God said, say what God said. When Abraham dealt with his greatest fear, he didn't say, Now I know that you love me. He didn't say, Now I know that you care for me. He said, Now I know you fear me. The fear of the Lord will eradicate the fear of man, the fear of death. Watch this. Are you getting something? Genesis 22, verse 9. I, when I, I, I was reading yesterday, I go, God, I can't believe this is on my nose. You, you didn't say, now I know that you love me. Look at this. Look at verse 20, 20, chapter 22, verse 9. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Then they came, Abraham and his son Isaac, to a place in which God had told them, listen to me, follow me. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood you know the story and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said Abraham Abraham he said here I am imagine this scene he's literally about to do it he's probably closing his eyes and saying I got to do this quick here I am the voice of the Lord, so the Lord stop them. Do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now, if I say now, I know that you fear God. Since you have withheld your son, your only son, from me, you know what the fear of the Lord is? Swift and quick obedience. Even when it doesn't make sense. Now, I don't know the in-between, because the, the Bible doesn't record the in-between, but I'm sure there was a pacing back and forth of Abraham. What do you, t- you, did I eat any, did I eat too many pizzas last night? What do you mean kill him? What are you, what are you talking about? Maybe I eat some ice cream. Maybe that, maybe that. No, it's me. It's not ice cream. It's not pizza. It's me. I want you to kill him. Swift obedience. He said, okay. I don't, watch this. This is so powerful. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. You called him the promised one, but I'm going to do it anyways. The fear of the Lord eradicated the fear of man. Now, you do your study. After this incident, there's no more mention that Abraham struggled with intimidation or lying because of fear. Because he dealt with it. And watch this. I believe God was allowing him to be intimidated so he could have the fear of God rule his heart instead of the fear of man. Say amen. amen. Now, I wanna, after this statement, I'm going to have the worship team come up. If intimidate, look the last slide up. If intimidation remains undealt with in our hearts, it will produce a lifestyle of disobedience. If intimidation remains undealt with in our hearts, it will produce a lifestyle of disobedience. I would love the worship team to come up because I have two quick scriptures while you guys come up there. I want to share it with you. Galatians chapter 1. Now, now I want, before you go to Galatians, I want you to say this with me because the next two scriptures I'm going to end this sermon with has to do with that slide. Put that slide, that last point up there again. Put that last slide up there, please. Listen, that last point. If intimidation remains undealt with in our lives, it will produce a lifestyle of disobedience I'm going to read that one more time say that with me come on one two three if intimidation remains undealt with in our lives it will produce a lifestyle of disobedience now look at Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 and the NLT all right here's where disobedience can reign because of the fear of people or approval of people say disobedience and the fear of man are synonymous Obviously, Paul said, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant any longer. L- listen, if listen, if if pleasing people were my goal, say that with me. If pleasing people were my goal, this is Paul the Apostle, not Pastor George, okay? This is PA call the apostle, all right? If pleasing people were my goal, say, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Are you a servant of Christ? Are you a servant of the Lord? Watch this now. If pleasing people is your goal, you disqualify yourself from being called a servant of God. If pleasing people is your goal, I'm looking at Isaiah. Brother, I, I know you had a struggle, struggle with people telling you, What are you doing? What are you doing? If you would have cared what people would say because of fear and stuff, you would have never built that orphanage. Are you crazy? What are you doing in that orphanage? What are you crazy? And then people stealing from them? You got to get to a place. Where you say, you know what, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord and I'm going to be Christ's servant at this moment. And I know that that answer that I'm going to get from that person is probably going to be a little volatile. And I don't want to hear it, but I'm going to still be obedient anyways in, the, in meekness and love. Because true meekness and love will produce pure Holy Ghost boldness, not personality boldness. There's a difference. There's a difference between personality boldness and Holy Ghost boldness. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that have personality boldness and everyone's like, look at that, look at that. And they whimper and cower at every little thing. But Holy Ghost boldness is, you you could be soft-spoken and have Holy Ghost boldness. Jesus said, they spoke about Jesus and he he cast out demons with a word. He He didn't just have boldness personality, he had boldness filled inside of him. Out. With a word, gone. Bye bye. Well, that's two words. Bye. Now watch. I'm closing with this. I'm closing. Remember a couple weeks ago that we talked about to echo this. To echo this, right? The fear of man brings a lifestyle of disobedience. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Jehu. Remember Jehu. Who? Jehu. Jehu. <laughs> Jehu. Jehu. <laughs> right? Remember that Jehu, according to the Bible, Jehu actually contributed or defined. uh, The fruits of intimidation as witchcraft. Hello? Now now when we think of witchcraft, we think of the, the, the lady with the wart on her nose and the broomstick, you know, and the pointed hat. That's not what this type of witchcraft is talking about. It's the witchcraft that comes through control, manipulation, and fear tactics. All, all, all through words life and death and the power of the tongue don't tell me that words can have demonically laced power attached to it i preached before that elijah was frustrated that's why he he left you know uh, and, and then and all that stuff and that's a good revelation but if you really stick to scripture the bible says elijah was afraid let's call it what it is he was victorious but when jezebel released those words he fell under a spirit of intimidation watch this why do i say this because when they talked to Jehu, hey, Jehu, and you're coming to see Jerome, I don't even know, that's a street name, Jerome, 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 whatever his name is. One of Jezebel's sons, he said, Jezebel's son saw Jehu come. And he goes, hey, is it peace with you? Is it peace with you? And you know what Jehu said? I love this. How can there be peace when the witchcraft of your mother Jezebel is running the, the witchcraft of your mother? Witchcraft. Now, what was Jehu talking about? Was he talking about Jezebel sitting back in a back room doing some potions going, hee, 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 who is the fairest of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Hee, 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 potion. No. You know what he was talking about? The witchcraft of your, of your mother Jezebel? The words that cause manipulation and intimidation in the people of God to be disobedient. Now, why? Why do I say that? Because Paul the Apostle, and I'm ending with this. I probably, This is my last scripture. I don't go out anymore. Paul the Apostle echoed, echoed what Jehu saw years before about the power of intimidation causing disobedience which is also witchcraft. Are you ready? Watch. Galatians chapter 3, New King James. Here's the last scripture. Galatians chapter 3. Everybody read this with me. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you, are you ready? Are you ready? Should not obey the truth. Disobedience. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you crucified? Look at me. You know he's saying who has bewitched you? He's not talking about the devil because he would definitely not say who that he would identify as the enemy. He says who. In other words, somebody has been intimidating you using fear tactics, using intimidation, using control and manipulation to bewitch you to not obey. What is not obey? To be disobedient. So Fear and intimidation, if left undealt with, will release a lifestyle of disobedience. How many want to just finally go to war with intimidation in your life? Come on. How many, come on, come on, come on. How many want to want, uh, address intimidation? Listen, here's where I'm going to end it today. I want everyone to stand up. I want everyone to stand up. I'm closing with this, with this prayer. PG, you're extra bold today. You know why? Because I want you to be extra free. Thank you for those five hand claps. You know how you defeat uh, intimidation? By confronting it and stop admitting that you don't have a problem. But I'm going to tell you based on this message today that some of you have been missing it. You know what you're lacking? It's not the love of God. It's not even sometimes knowledge. You're lacking the fear of the Lord. The fear of God is what stopped Is what caused abraham to finally correct the weak character flaw of intimidation in his life when he faced his greatest fear the bible says that god says now i know that you fear god brothers and sisters the fear of the lord ruling in your heart will eradicate and deal with the fear of man why because the fear of the lord means swift quick obedience. Here's, uh, here's what I feel from the Lord right now. What are you delaying in your obedience because there's some secret intimidation in your heart? Come on. Don't talk to me about it. Just think about it. What have you been delaying? Is it a calling? Is it an assignment? Is it a talk with somebody? Is it a reconciliation moment? Is it, is it a gifting? What have you been delaying? Is it a directional thing, because you've been intimidated and not allow the fear of the Lord? But today, here's what we're gonna do. For those of you who are really wanting this, we're gonna pray not that the spirit of intimidation will leave you, that the spirit of the fear of the Lord will come stronger in your life. Come on, we're gonna worship. We want the worship team to, to, to play something, and then w- when I feel a release, I wanna share. I wanna share this with you. I wanna ask you guys to deal with this once and for all. Come on, let's lift up our hands right now. Come on. Especially if if this message has has touched you, I want you to be serious right now. This This is a church that we want to deal with this thing. Come on, we want to deal with it in the spirit realm. We want to deal with it. Come on, every word that's been spoken about you that you need to confront, every situation that you've been avoiding, today, it needs to end. Today, God wants you to be obedient and be ruled by the fear of the Lord and not the fear of man. Come on, close your eyes. Right now, let's worship the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.